Welcome to the CEO of Destiny podcast, where you will find the tools to fulfill the purpose of your generation and wildly succeed in the marketplace. And now your host, Andre J. Benjamin. Greetings, greetings. Welcome to the CEO of Destiny show. I am your host, Andre J. Benjamin. I am delighted today to have an author, uh, also a thought leader in this field of blockchain. Uh, you all know we're all trying to demystify and get away from all the uncertainty, the fear, uncertainty, the doubt, the anxiety that people are causing through a lot of misinformation. And I think because something is new, people find a hard time connecting to it outside of kind of their mainstream sources, you know, whether they see a provocative title on an article that they've shared from someone, or they just see a headline on their traditional news sources. But we're going to be delighted today to really unpack some of the things that our guest has written in their book. And I think it's a great resource. So we're going to dig into it. I have Baxter Hines. Everybody welcome Baxter, Baxter Hines. How are you doing, Baxter? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your show today, Andre. Oh man, I'm excited. I'm excited. So let's let's jump a little bit into I'm a big Marvel fan. So give me a little of your origin story. You know, we like to know how you were before you got bit by the spider or mutated or what, what took place in, in young Baxter's life for you to end up at the point you're at now. Gosh, if we go that far back to young Baxter's life, it, you would never thought I'd have ended up here. Strangely enough, my parents were in the antique furniture business. So you wouldn't think wow. I would have ended up in a cutting edge technology. Like, uh, like blockchain, but learned a lot of business principles from them that are timeless and uh, just different traits about hard work and stick to itness that, that have helped out quite a bit. But, you know, going further out in time, I was in the uh, asset management industry. So I worked for a firm here in Dallas called NFJ Investment Group. We were one of the largest money managers in the state. Uh, I was one of six portfolio managers over, overseeing about $40 billion of client money. Um, generating income from dividend-paying stocks. And again, people say, well, how in the world did you end up in the blockchain space? And it, I first heard about Bitcoin in 2011, way back when, and I didn't do anything with it, which I really regret now because if I'd done that uh, that early on, um, you know, again, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But I, I really, as time went on, I fell in love with the technology. I realized that the blockchain itself was going to be the most important innovation for our society since the internet. And I just got gravitated towards it. I wanted to learn everything that I could. As you mentioned, I, I wrote a book with uh, John Wyland's son called uh, Digital Finance, uh, where I outlined my vision of how uh, blockchain and distributed ledger technology were going to be an incredibly disruptive force for the financial industry. Blockchain is going to be much bigger than that. It's going to affect agriculture and healthcare and you name it. There are going to be very few industries that aren't affected. But what I wrote about in the book was really that, number one, Bitcoin was just the first inning or the first pitch in this game of, of what was about to unfold with, with blockchain. You're going to have cryptocurrencies as, as a whole. We're going to, going to mushroom. You were just, second, you're going to start seeing the dollar, the yen, the euro, the, the fiat currencies that we use today going on the blockchain to create this better, faster, cheaper uh, system of payments. And then finally, you were going to see real assets going onto the blockchain. Um, you might have heard of the tokenization of assets, which is a huge thing. Yeah, we're going to dig into that. We're going to dig oh, yeah. into tokenization. Oh, yeah. 
How, so all how, of that was going to unfold. And so that was the first thing that I wanted readers to know about. And then the second thing I wanted to know about is that you don't have to get deep into the weeds of the technology absolutely. Uh, just to really know how to use it. I, I've got an eight-year-old son. And about a, a year ago, I taught him how to use the microwave. It was a little bit of a scary type of, uh, of, of experience, <laughs> but uh, I figured, hey, he's, he's ready for it. He can do it. And I didn't teach him, you know, how the, the waves flow through the, the machine and how the atoms <laughs> were, were, were accelerated. I didn't get into that. The molecular so, structure. Necessary. Yeah, exactly. And the same thing goes for the blockchain. I mean, I think that in order for the technology to be successful, it's going to have to be kind of behind the curtain, if you will. And, and that's Absolutely. what some of the, the smartest minds in, in, in the technology space right now are doing. They're making it a part of, of our everyday lives, but they're making it so that you don't have to um, be an expert in it to use it. Just like you don't have to look under the hood of your car before you drive from you know, the, your home to the grocery store. So I, I see that that uh, this is going to be a, a uh, just a growth engine for the economy, and it's going to be a bigger part of our lives uh, over many many years. So how? So th- thank you. How did you? How did you even get into? So prior to because the exposure to the blockchain in 2011, but how did you even get into asset management? Like, how did you end up choosing that field? I just, you know, I'm a, a kind of a numbers guy by um, just my personality, by, by my traits. Um, I always liked the stock market. You know, a lot of kids, they go after school and they play sports. I'd go home and watch CNBC. I was kind of a strange kid like that. That's and cool. so just, you know, reading books and uh, you kind of see, I've got a, a, a bookshelf behind me full of these different books that I've read over the years. And just, that was, you know, kind of where I focused a lot of my time and, and, uh, and training. And so I got into the management of stocks and, and worked for a brokerage firm in Richmond, Virginia, where I grew up. And then I worked for uh, Richmond. That's where my uh, uh, in-laws are at. We go to Richmond every, once a year, at least, okay, at least yep. once or twice a year. Yeah, my family's still there. My, my parents and my sister's a, a teacher there in, in uh, Chesterfield County. So oh, I know exactly where that's at. <laughs> so so you so what what about what time for, was that for you? And the reason I'm doing this is because it lays a foundation for because like I think I know this is an excellent resource, highly annotated, worth getting. We're gonna talk more and more about it, but I wanted to I wanted them to get a foundation of how you even discovered kind of that point of difference about yourself to say, hey, I'm actually better at numbers. You know, this is something that I, like you said, everybody else, your friends might be like, hey, we're going to go do this pickup game. You say, you know what? I'm really curious about this. How did your curiosity end up leading you to your field? Well, I tell you another thing about um, how I got to blockchain is when I was in college, I studied economics at the University of Virginia, and I wanted to go straight into the asset management business. And for whatever reason, it didn't happen that way. Um, I graduated right after 9-11. Um, wow. And so there weren't a lot of financial jobs out there. And someone said to me, hey, why don't you go work for a company called uh, Reuters or, or Bloomberg was another one of the competitors. They said, that's a, a, a financial information uh, company where they have terminals in the, uh, in the, the broker's offices or in the people who are making decisions around how to allocate money. You'll meet a lot of people and you'll learn about how the data and all of the, the pricing and all that flows through the financial system. I thought, well, this isn't exactly what I want to do, but hey, that's, you know, it, it's, it'll be a good experience. And so I learned a lot about, um, again, that data management, databases, how all this information flowed through the financial system. And so when blockchain came about, 
um, I realized that, hey, this is all blockchain really is. It's, it's an accounting system that utilizes um, computer science and, and, and other things that, um, you know, I, I, I learned about when I was at, at Reuters. And so I coupled that with my background of managing portfolios and, and, I, and things really clicked for me, um, you know, as, as, as time went on. And so I, I do feel like I had a very unique background that wasn't by design, but um, it just, it, it came up. So there was, it, was, it was a unique set of, of skills and experiences that I had that kind of led me down this path. So you already had a foundation because of the, some of the exposure from your early on curiosity. And then you were able to make those connections of saying, wait a minute, this is this digital ledger. It's got some computer science. It's got some other elements, but I recognize this. This is, that's, that's, that's awesome for, that you made that connection. Uh, my next question for you is more philosophical. So when you turn, think in terms of fiat, do you see opportunity or do you see crisis? What do you see? Well, the, in terms of fiat, I think that the, the issue that we're facing right now is that the governments continue to, to print money to kind of make ends meet um, with, with our budgets, which I know just from uh, common sense says you, we can't do that forever. And no. so um, I do think that, that digital currencies like, um, like Bitcoin and, and some of these other cryptocurrencies that have real utility, that have a, a, a way to solve uh use cases and with, with for commercial and, and economic uh, problems, they will start taking a, a bigger role in terms of how values exchange from person to person. Um, I do think that fiat currency just in general, though, can benefit from the blockchain because we're still using these antiquated systems to make payments back and forth. You may think that, well, if I, let's say I send you money um, to where you are in Seattle for me in Dallas, well, we it's not just between a, a transaction between you and me. There are all these intermediaries in oh, between that take time, effort, cost, all out of the the, the transaction. So, just to give you a, a practical example, I, I have a, a personal trainer who, uh, his, COVID, his gym went um, that he worked for went belly up, and so I said, "Hey, you'd be really good with this. I know you've been wanting to." have your own gym forever. He said, yeah, I've got a location, blah, blah, blah. Can you loan me some money? So I loaned him some money. And we went in on a Thursday afternoon to the bank to notarize all the documents. And um, I remember handing over, after all the signatures were put down, handing the check over to the teller. And my, my personal trainer asked the teller, when am I going to get the money? And she said, hmm, you know, you missed the Thursday cutoff. So you get Friday, Saturday, Sunday don't count, but Monday, Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, you'll probably get the money. And he's sitting there as an entrepreneur. He's thinking it's Thursday afternoon. I'm not getting the money till Wednesday. I got to get the plumbers and the painters. Absolutely. There. So it's just a simple transaction like that. We, we kind of tend to take it for granted, but you can make it so much faster if you were to do this on the blockchain. And that could go for so many other types of applications um, in our life, like credit cards could be made uh, much cheaper if we could could put our money onto the to, onto a blockchain. We could um, probably reduce the cost of our mortgages and, and all kinds of other applications. And so, I, I am really excited about the entrepreneurial talent and the um, computer scientists and the, and just other people who are coming into this blockchain field and creating these applications on top of the blockchain to improve our lives. 
And so I when you were, so when you got exposed to it, the blockchain initially in 2011, were you? What was your initial attitude? Were you a believer? Were you an opposer? Were you a skeptic? Were you indifferent? And why was that based upon what was available knowledge-wise for you? So when your initial exposure, your, those impressions, take us back to that. Yep. That, that Baxter, that iteration, because you're 10 years post 9-11. And mm-hmm. what, what's your perspective? So my good friend who lives out in California, I grew up with him in Richmond. He sent uh, me an article about Bitcoin. And it was talking about how the price of it had collapsed and that it was used by sort of these nefarious actors to, to trade value through the Internet. And I thought, well, this is kind of interesting. And I, as I kept reading about the technology, I said, well, that makes sense. They can send this value to the Internet. And there's these cryptographic ways that um, they can define who owns what at what time. That's a really interesting facet. But I said, there's nothing really backing up Bitcoin. What, why, is, why does that itself have value? I understood the technology. So I kind of put the whole idea on the back burner and didn't really think about it much for about a year, but I kept hearing about Bitcoin. And slowly but surely, I started learning um, more about it. I tried to, to set aside the sensationalism. The, the headlines are usually, you know, around the, <laughs> around the person. Somebody, somebody did something they shouldn't or somebody yes. lost something that's in a way that they shouldn't. Fear. <laughs> when I first got into the financial business, it was during the time of the the, uh, the go-go days of the internet when that was coming along. And I started seeing history sort of not repeating, but rhyming. There were these, these similar kinds of themes that were coming up. Like when I was uh, first working for a brokerage firm in Richmond, I remember somebody saying to me, this was probably in like 1998. They said, can you believe so-and-so down the hall was dumb enough to put their credit card number online to buy a pair of shoes? It's so real. And, and so that, that number is probably going to get stolen from, from, yep. from, I'm like, yeah, it does sound kind of, kind of foolish to me. Now we do that, you know, every day we're buying stuff. It seems this. sketchy. Everybody, cause we didn't know enough. It seems super sketchy. Exactly. Right. You, you, you tend to, to um, demonize in some ways, the things that you're not uh, familiar with, but I continue to stick with the technology and, and you, know, you really couldn't avoid it but so much because people were making money in, in Bitcoin and the price was going up. And so I just kind of kept getting drawn back. There's sort of this gravitational pull to what uh, was unfolding. And and I realized, wow, this technology really is something here. Um, And that's really how it, it, it unfolded to me. One of the things that I would, would encourage your viewers to look at is there's an interview from 1995 between David Letterman on The Late Show and Bill Gates. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Do us a favor. If this was useful in any way for you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Reviews will allow others to easily discover the podcast. If you'd like more information and to receive a free download, rediscover your destiny, go to ceoofdestiny.com. Thanks again and tune in next time.